When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Savage Starlight, the officially unofficial podcast for The Last of Us on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking season one, episode two. It's titled Infected. Uh, Aaron, we've seen this a couple of times now. How do you feel? Uh, yeah, I, it's a great episode. I have heard through the grapevine from people who have seen it that the... Um, the general sentiment is like, if you think these first two episodes are good, wait until you get the episode three. But like, these are really <laughs> okay. good episodes. So I guess uh-huh. I'm really ready to be blown the fuck away by next week. Uh, but this is a great episode. All of the things that I was hoping would happen in terms of they'd capture the tension of, you know, the the action elements of this game the scariness of the monsters, uh, the zombies. Uh, the tense, quiet moments, um, the character beats, the loss, uh, all that stuff. And what I, you know, I'm also on top of that getting, um, you know, like backstory that we don't even get in the game, which I think, mm-hmm. you know, I, I know you had some some mixed feelings about it, but I really appreciate. And I just can't, I just can't get over how gorgeous the visuals are, um, how... You know, I was thinking they would get kind of close or whatever, but so far when they're walking around these bombed out, like, you know, Boston's city centers, they just look utterly real and convincing. They literally look like things out of the video game, which already looked fairly lifelike, you know, in the terms of the tech. I can only think of the the remastered versions, but they're just like utterly convincing and real. And, um, I, you know, I love sometimes the contrast between like what a beautiful day it is when they're walking through downtown Boston versus like how mm-hmm. scary the interiors are. And it's good stuff. And, and you know, like there was a lot of a lot of grousing about the spore versus tendril. A lot of people had wrong headed ideas about what the tendrils would actually represent. And I, I feel like all that stuff is shut up since this, you know, because they boom. This is yeah, they paid a it real off. It's a great mechanic. It's arguably like I, Neil was talking on the podcast that like kind of kicking themselves. Like, why didn't we think of like these tripwire aspects? That's a, just a terrific game element, let alone a dramatic element. So mm-hmm. it's distinct from the game, uh, but also very fungal based and uniquely terrifying uh, on its own. So I, I thought this was this is a great this is just a great episode. And I even more relaxed to just enjoy the ride. Uh, what about you? Yeah, I mean, the the word that describes this episode is tense to me. I think like every moment of it is building toward the end, uh, you know, where they Joel triggers the fungal network and and here come the horde. Um, and and it's down to not just like the setup of the, the writing and the plot, but also the cinematography. I couldn't help but like in those scenes where they've set this up as a concept and then they, they close up on Joel's boots as he's walking across the ground. I I felt like in a war movie where there are soldiers out in the jungle and they're tromping through this, this undergrowth and you know that there are mortar trip mines or claymore trip mines out there just waiting to blow them up. And I'm, 
I'm so tensed up even just watching a man walk across pavement, right? It's like yeah. at any moment this could go wrong. Uh and they do it beautifully with just some a couple of insert shots, uh close-ups. And and I felt like that the entire episode. And even in the scenes where like some of the tension is actively paying off, like that clicker scene, it somehow is even more tense because they take their time with those scenes. They don't have this isn't a show that's going to, you know, jump scare you out of your seat, mm-hmm. but it is going to make you feel extremely unsettled uh, while you're watching the things it's showing you. So I very much appreciate that. That's kind of horror that I like. Yeah, they um, uh, in the little minisodes that they have, like the making of uh, Craig Mazin said that Neil Druckmann because he, he directed this. You know, we talked about this in instant cast, how, you know, Neil mentioned several times that this is very very like um directing video games with some no- notable limitations um but craig mason called him the master of fear and i was thinking about that it's like because the master of horror is already taken <laughs> <laughs> who is the master of horror is that clive barker or is it I, I, is it stephen king because i've heard someone called the master of horror maybe I, it's it's a lot of different shit. people I, I can't remember who they call that so john carpenter i've heard it Maybe, but, maybe. But then I, I was reflecting my time because, like, you know, um, there's lots of games that have horrific things like Doom, uh-huh. you know, the, especially the remakes that are not scary. Um, but, like, The Last of Us is very scary to play. It's a very oh, yeah. tense game. It's still, like, you know, I mentioned that, like, anytime there is an infected on my ass because they're so lethal, they're so fast, they're so tough that, like, it's not unusual for me to be screaming and shrieking and, like, moving around on the couch and feeling like they're just right behind me uh and this episode captured all that and and every time i walk into a darkened room or building right i I feel that tension in the game and this captured that too yeah and that that point you you were i don't know if you heard the official podcast but you were completely vindicated in your thoughts about uh tess being kind of like partially frozen by the fungus the fungus you know uh recognizing her as a part of it and this, this deliberate infection and things. Um, even that is just, uh, you know, this is stuff that's not in the game. In fact, they made they made pretty 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 big changes in in the way this episode goes down from how it goes down in the game. But like that kiss is just so uncomfortable. It's so hard. The second third time watching, I'm still just like, oh ah ah. It <laughs> it's it's terrible in yeah. the best in the best way. And it ties in with some of the other themes they've been setting up where they, you know, Ellie's asking Joel this episode, do you ever think about like the people they were or someone who maybe is still inside there? And with Tess, that's actively happening. I mean, look at her hand. What's she doing? She's trying to kill these things yeah. as she's being taken over by them. It's yeah, she is the the example. She is the test case there that shows, yeah, there are people inside these things. And there's so many subtle things they did that, uh, you know, they talk about like Tess being infected, but almost with hope because like being bitten, know that she uh, was in certainty. She only has minutes um, to live. Yeah. Suddenly broadens her horizon to like, well, if I'm going to die, I want this to mean something. I want this to where, um, you know, this never happens to somebody else. I want to live. I, I want to, you know, contribute to a world where we can go back to living, you know, without fear uh it's it's powerful stuff and direct contrast with joel right who he he lives as he he pretends like he knows everyone is gonna die right he's he's telling tess like why are you trying to give act like this girl is gonna have a life Mm -hmm. uh 
it's it's but yet he still continues to try and live right so there's like a strange hope that he's denying within himself until you know the they're looking out from the darkness and seeing the light so i I don't know there there are a couple of shots in here that really express that well there is definitely they they definitely using that as a shorthand for kind of like philosophical sides and Right. Who's in the light? Who's in the darkness? Who's transitioning from I the darkness it. into the light? And that's yeah, it's good. like filmmaking. That, it's and it's like you know. Sometimes I've seen shows where they do that well, but they all the other stuff, and it feels mm-hmm. like you know very film studenty. It's like oh, you're doing the visual metaphor, but like here we're just you don't even have to notice it because everything, all the cake is there. The icing in the decoration just takes it to the next level, like that. Mm-hmm constant thematic and it just goes like i was just amazed listening to the official podcast where like the metaphors and you know like that um uh craig mason mentioned that like the way they see it the fungus loves to you know like the fungus recognizes itself the fungus wants to spread like the fungus loves things and when you love you know you get people together and you love you make more of yourself and it's right like i i mean i think this is like not a literal anthropomorphization of it but the fact that Mm. they're thinking of things like that and how you know, intimate that, you know, as horrifying as it was very intimate, the, the way that, um, the cordyceps took over Tess ultimately, um, uh, it's great stuff. And again, um, it's not stuff that you have to notice, but mm-hmm. I think stuff like that works on a subconscious, subconscious level, even if it's not working in any other, um, well, it is, it's paying off. I mean, have you seen yeah. the viewership, uh, ratings for I did. the second episode. It's up, yeah. what, 22%, I think, 5.7 million people now, up from like four point something last time. This this is so how you far, do it. I very mean, successful take... in spreading its own infection, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Those spores and tendrils are going out. People are uh, being infected by them. I, it, this is how you do it, right? I mean, it, yeah. it, at this point, if this were released on Netflix, they'd be contemplating canceling it because not enough people had completed the series yet four days Maybe, after yeah. it's released or whatever yeah 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 uh hbo you know they're they're building multi-season mega hits and i feel like netflix you know is building cancel fodder essentially uh this is how you do it you get people hyped you get people talking and then you give them nine weeks to sit with this thing that, and really appreciate and enjoy it yeah, for that that to spread to run its course, and you know, it's like um, we mentioned this in contrast to House of Dragons. Like, oh, this is about half the audience. So that's still a huge hit for HBO. Mm-hmm. Um, what House of the Dragon did is held its audience week over week with very modest gains, just you know, a couple yeah. fifty hundred thousand here, but like you pretty much had ten million people watching beginning, ten million people, and that's that's unusual. Usually, the pattern is you always get the most people watching at the finales, and then you have a slow amount of drop off until you get to the. Or I mean, you get to you get a lot of people. Your most biggest audience at the premiere kind of tails off. So just to hold that audience constant is pretty impressive. But the build that just shows that the, the word of mouth. Um, and there've been some really out of the box marketing stuff. Have you seen some of like there's uh, some yes. European cities where they've taken a whole block over and they have a big mm-hmm. like skyscraper side not you know like you know times new roman times new roman <laughs> times square size billboard come uh-huh. on there's no fungus in here what the hell's going on the times new roman uh, times square size billboard with the whole square taken over with like decay yeah. they made the buildings Dressed look decayed like Boston, yeah. and with fungus and all that stuff and like even if you have never heard of this like if you're just walking around this downtown area you're like what the fuck <laughs> is this i gotta check this out 
Um, and they're, like, they're doing like graffiti exhibits and, and art installations where there's, you know, people plastered to the wall with fungus exploding out of them. It's yeah, I have to wonder what people who don't know anything about The Last of Us think when they see one of those. It's got to. And when you got a product like that, it, it, those looky loos you get a lot of times yeah. are going to convert the fans because the product is there. It's like, mm-hmm. Jesus, you go up to a bus stop and there's like some fungal dude walled to it. And then on the reverse size, it's, it's got Firefly graffiti and The Last of Us, HBO, blah, blah, blah. Sundays at nine. Fuck, I want to tune into that. Oh, my God, this is good. I'm going to start. Yeah, it's yeah, and there's you get 22 no percent week, week over week growth. And like, where will that mm-hmm. top out? Because if the, th- the next episode is really um, and once you get out of football season where like a sun mm-hmm. people Sundays mm-hmm. Sunday nights are are, are going to be a little bit more freed up. Um, man, the back half of the season could be really big. I wonder if it do you think it's crazy to think that it might catch up to House of the Dragon or do you think this 22 percent is unsustainable? Um, it could. I, I, what I'm hoping is that House of the Dragon you know, given how solid that was, gets really good word of mouth in the off season and grows again. So maybe yeah. I'm I'm hoping that House of Dragon will outpace it because uh, I I also love that show and it has but a much larger existing fan base. Like it does, yeah. Um, although so, I don't know, we'll see. How many copies did The Last of Us sell? And in... oh, millions, certainly millions. Yeah, uh, it's... and it's been re-released a few times, so more millions. Yeah, I wonder. I know The Last of Us 2 is like the, oh, 37 million copies. So, like, mm-hmm. I think the height at the height of how, or Game of Thrones, like season seven, season eight, it was said that 100 million people worldwide were watching. That's, that's, 37 million is a big audience base for this show. So, mm-hmm. if you've got, you know, half of these people just out of curiosity want to see, and like, if you're a fan of the game, why the hell wouldn't you like this show? It's got a lot of upside, a lot of legs. HBO yeah. must be pleased and probably also screaming internally that this is such a short lived thing. They're like, <laughs> Druckman, you got a you got a third game. They're going to hold him up by his ankles until they shake the candy out because you got a third game in you. I know you fucking do. <laughs> yeah, not in two years. They don't. Sorry. <laughs> it takes longer than that to make those games. Yeah. Uh, what do you say we get into the recap? Uh, let's do it. Watch out for that fungus be right back with more savage starlight we found something to fight for this podcast welcome back to savage starlight all right we start off in jakarta uh september 24th 2003 this is two days before joel's birthday that we saw in the first episode uh a mycologist is pulled from a restaurant by the military to examine a corpse with a fungal infection when she realizes the scope of the problem, she tells them to bomb the entire city. Yeah. So you were kind of lukewarm on this stuff. Did you, do you, do you, do you see the point in it anymore? Is it still kind of like the calm before the storm? Um, I, I have not come to terms with this scene yet. I still think it's relatively useless. Uh, unless they're going to do more, flashbacks i guess i i am kind of curious to see what they think they're going to accomplish with bombing these cities and what actually is accomplished by bombing these cities because tess in this episode says yeah they bombed in a lot of cities it actually worked in boston at least well enough for them to establish a qz there so i don't i i am curious about seeing that so if this leads to to more scenes um of the bombings and stuff sure 
To me, this is a good, first of all, I think it's just inherently frightening when you see a true expert just give up. Like when they see it, mm-hmm. they're like, you know, like there's something very chilling. It's like one thing if you're, you know, you say you got a lump in your neck and, and your nervous Aunt Nellie or Uncle uh, Gary is, just, you know, the one that's always freaking out about stuff is like, oh, my God, do you, you think it's cancer? And it's like, OK, whatever. But you go into an oncologist and they come over somber faced and like, you know, oh, I, yeah, I, I hate giving people bad news. Like you sit up and pay attention like this is a foremost fungal expert. Mm-hmm. And when she finds out that there are already 14 workers missing for 30 hours in this massive city and they yeah. do a great job in what is suspiciously stock footage looking footage for Jakarta, uh, you know, you see how how packed the city is and how like densely populated. Mm-hmm. And as soon as she finds out, you see her hands like violently shake. She can barely get the tea down. I just thought that was really really effective the fact that um she just like you should just wipe the city off the map and then realize the implications on word like can i go home to my family because i'm you know if you if you you either aren't going to follow my advice in which case we're fucked mm-hmm. or you are going to follow, follow my advice in which case we're at least locally going to be fucked and the other thing is just uh if you put together the information from the first episode uh this happens on september 24th the stuff that happens in austin texas was september 26th mm-hmm in 48 hours, you are going to go from Jakarta being a normal city to like you hear this widespread unrest and it's going to spread throughout, you know, all the way to North America. So it just gives you an idea of like really how fast this was able to take hold. And there's all kinds of meta questions like why did the Indonesian government like apparently try to keep this inter- like an internal matter? But also like would your host country blather, blather through the world that you have a major outbreak that's going to, you know, it's like I... I don't know. I I, yeah. I just thought this stuff is chilling, and 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 I, maybe I'm I, I still have a a little bit lower tolerance for for fear. But um, every time she's she went in that uh, that in the room with the corpse and she's cutting on it, uh, I kept expecting that lady to just pop off the table and start chewing on her. You know, it's like mm-hmm. I felt personal and you know personal disgust when she pulls that fungus out of her mouth and starts you know trying to go at her. So that stuff it really worked on me. Gotcha. Yeah, I guess to me it felt like a little unnecessary. When you see, okay, the world has been overtaken, you have to assume this happened very fast, right? You hear the news reports. Well, this is like a day after uh, or two two days after the events in Jakarta. You know kind of like, okay, this is spreading Mm -hmm. exceptionally fast. I don't know. It's not a bad scene. Like these are all really good scenes. It's just did I need to see them? I want to, before we move on to the next thing, I want to talk about the intro credits. It looks like they're kind of a bust in terms of rewatchability. Yeah. A lot of people are like, oh, what if that fungal map actually updates? And I guess we haven't gotten out of Boston. True. But I, I watched it. I've watched it three times now, and I don't even see the hooks where you could move to a different city and the map would actually reflect something different. I think it's a... Mm-hmm. Anytime you got a traveling show that you're going around a lot of geographic area and you want to ground people in location and give them a scope of where you're going, um, I think maps are great. Uh, but yeah, this is just a really pretty fungal, somber, somber intro that I'm going to hit skip intro. <laughs> well, it's still <laughs> better than House of the Dragon's intro. So, uh, yeah, well, at least House of the Dragon did kind of update and tell a bit of a narrative. Did it? Because I little... couldn't tell what was happening in that at all. Right, I'm, right. I'm... No, it's they did. Blood soaked castle. New wheels popping up and new connections being made. Oh, I but know, like but it's 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 still it's yeah. It's poorly yeah. done. 
Uh, all right, let's, um, I guess, talk about Ellie waking up to find Joel and Tess watching her. Uh, they're trying to figure out her infection status and what to do with her. Joel wants to take her back and let somebody else deal with her. Tess wants to continue on and get what they want, regardless of whether the hope of a cure is a pipe dream or not. And so they go outside where Ellie gets her first view of the city in the daytime, and then they head toward the state house. She is duly impressed. And so was I, man. This looks amazing. Uh, this is one of those effect shots where I don't see the seams. I just see the world that they're creating. Yeah, I'm amazed because this is all bright. You know, this is the worst environment to hide those seams when everything's brightly yes. lit with harsh overhead lighting and it's it's broad daylight. Um, yeah, uh, I, and I, I will say that I could see the seams in one or two of these trans, especially later when they're going from uh, the hotel to the or going from the museum to the state capitol. There's one or two scenes where Tess and was like, you know, jerking uh, Elliot along in the foreground. And I could kind of see the scene where they had added the digital mat behind them or whatever. But like, you have to look for it. You have mm-hmm. to really look for it. Um, and it, it Usually doesn't, it's a it, case of lighting being poor that really yeah. gives that away. I, I see a lot, even in like incredibly high budget things, you can see mm-hmm. that the, the lighting just doesn't quite match up. And I, I think of this in like Loki. Um yeah. was a show where occasionally I would see, well, they lit this scene just slightly wrong. And, and I'm not like disparaging the people who did it because that's an incredibly hard thing to do accurately. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. when it's right, it just makes everything cohese together in a way that feels like you're in a real world. And when it's wrong, yeah. it sticks out like a sore thumb. Yeah. And uh, I think they did a lot of things right. And mm-hmm. the visuals, again, were just gorgeous. Like that... Uh, that that opening shot of Ellie lying in a fetal position on this bed of moss and it's lit like, you know, almost like she's like this brand new creation. Mm-hmm. This like, you know, uh, that, that, that's, that's, that's being incubated. It's, 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 she's not a fungus. She's not human. She's like this just brand new life form. Um, I thought that that was really cool. And that, and like, in fact, it was so, um, out of place that I thought it was like something from a dream, but then they kind of shoot out and you see that this is just like nature has reclaimed this area from a collapsed piece of ceiling and it gets sunlight and rain. And mm-hmm. it's like a little tiny terrarium that she's, that she's sleeping in. And then the, the contrast, yeah, but how peaceful she was and how well she slept to then this jingly jangly Joel and Tess who would be smoking cigarettes if they had them just like, you know, like just with their guns just waiting for this girl to start twitching. It's a great contact, a great contrast. Yeah, yeah, there's something um almost miraculous about it. Like like Ellie is the miracle and she's she's laying in this other miracle which is like this indoor terrarium like you said. This is a a great um exercise I guess in contrast throughout this entire scene mm-hmm. where you have these people who very much don't believe the thing she's telling them uh or, or at least one of them certainly doesn't. Uh and one of them is beginning to a- and they contrast it with the food that they're eating. And yep. the lighting, obviously. I mean, yep. that's that's the most stark. Uh, that's the most obvious example, and and it comes back to you know when you're in the darkness, look to the light, that kind of thing, with the fireflies yeah. motto. It's hope versus um, hopelessness. It's yep. um, you know optimism versus cynicism. It's skepticism versus faith. There's a lot of and yeah, contrast between the the cold hard jerky 
of of cynicism versus the sumptuous <laughs> oh the sweet sweet chicken baby oh baby yeah like a, some kind of italian grinder chicken grinder it's just, that's oh, kind of what i was thinking is it like it almost looks like she was eating a spaghetti sandwich for a second i'm like that can't be true and then they say chicken and i'm like okay all right yeah chicken but it parm is sandwich some kind of something yeah chicken parm maybe i boy they're living right over there with the fireflies yeah uh, i'm joining yeah, up if they're eating chicken sandwiches every day it's it's good to be a quasi military uh, smuggling operation in the post apocalyptic environment. Right, and that's in another part of the contrast is just like this is what hope can get you. This is yeah. what we're working toward. We could be building a civilization that can have everyone eating chicken sandwiches, or you can continue to just have the same old give up attitude that you've had, and you can eat the stringy beef jerky. Take your pick, I guess. Did you notice it? Because I think this is the scene where it's most noticeable when uh, Joel forces open the door into the outside. Did you notice like the clicker noises it was making when those hinges oh, were creaking no, I didn't. and breaking? Yeah, there's a couple where I think that they, I, I thought it was a deliberate attempt to kind of foreshadow and put the people who have, you know, been veterans at a video game kind of on notice uh, that, that you're heading into Clickerville. But uh, I, I thought they were really well done and subtle. Speaking of the video game, I, I couldn't really get a good look at the cover of that magazine um, that Ellie's supposed to use as toilet paper. Mm-hmm. I, I will say when she throws it back and forth, you get a look at the model uh, that, that's like a big headshot just right there, a full page. Mm-hmm. It looks a lot to me like one of the heroines from Savage Starlight. Does it? I, I don't think it's supposed to be her, but man, it looks a lot like one of those covers, or at least one of the characters on one of those covers. So yeah, I don't know. I, I, I was going because I thought it looked like reaching into the darkness did, trying to yeah. find something I, for Sally hey, Starlight. I 100% feel you on that one. Um, yeah. I do think that um, it looked more like a fashion magazine to me. Uh-huh. And I was looking at some of these, yeah. uh, I was looking at some of the covers on the, the wiki. You know, because they've got all of mm-hmm. them, and I didn't see one that looked like it. Certainly didn't um, correspond to anything that you would find. In if you some look of at the, look- the 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 cover with the the guy and the woman, she's in like a white suit, and they're kind of looking off away from each other a little bit. Mm-hmm. It looks a lot like her. Hmm. Yeah, I can see, I can see I can see the res, you know it's, it's essentially a, a attractive woman and like what do you call that a bob? Uh, like yeah, a, the haircut um, is definitely similar. This is incredible type of outfit or, or, or a, kind of yeah kind of hair haircut. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just and, and it looked like I said it looked like a like an L magazine like a, a fashion yeah. type of, of thing more than anything. And uh, what is the what's the the um the phrase that they say it's um survive uh, endure and survive uh-huh i noticed that um they're ending the official podcast with that phrase i don't know if they All did right. that last week and i didn't notice but they're doing it so like uh i think that they have affection for the savage starlight uh, yeah yeah it'd be awesome it'd be awesome to get we They'll do it. we get that 22 percent bump if uh, people start Googling for Savage Starlight because they want to know more about it and then they find our podcast. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, right, I'm rooting right. rooting hard for it, but I don't think we got it yeah. yet. 
And I think they would have, they probably called that out on the official podcast or not. Naughty Dog's um, maintaining an Instagram where they're calling out some of these Easter eggs, like the lighter mm-hmm. the test uses to emulate, emulate the, the infected at the end is an exact replica of what Sam Drake, Nathan's older brother, his, his lighter from Last of Us 4. Or I'm, uh, I'm sorry, Uncharted 4. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hmm. So, like, yeah, I would think that that would have been called out because there's a lot of, a lot of Savage Starlight fans. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily the podcast. A lot of those I'm too. Quickly, I'm quickly becoming an Ellie fan. Uh, it seems like this. Um, and this one of these things was in the trailer where she starts making clicker type noises or infected yeah. noises. I, I think that's hilarious. They didn't it find funny. it very funny, but I did. It's one of those things and, where I almost wish they'd kept it. They kept it out of the trailer. I know, but but you got to show people something, right? You got to sell. Yeah, like Bella. They'd be really throwing Bella Ramsey to the wolves if they never showed any Ellie shit in the trailer yeah. because people were already like, she doesn't look like fucking Ellie. She didn't seem like Ellie in Game of Thrones. So like, I I understand <laughs> right? why she's they an did actor. It. Come on, right? Uh, no, I I really like her in this scene. Uh, just all the sarcasm, all of the. Like her, her banter with Joel too, where she's mm-hmm. like, there's not going to be anything bad in that room. Is there? And he's like, just you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, they're already starting to like have this father daughter kind of bond. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Their, their falling into the, the Joel Sarah pattern we saw so effective in the uh-huh. opening of the series. It's I, I think, I think Bella's crushing it. I had my, if you listen yeah. to the preview and the first episode, I, I, that was the one thing I was shaky on, but I, by the end of this episode, no, I think she's a great Ellie. Uh, mm-hmm. and there's going to be, someone pointed this out on Twitter. There's a whole generation of last of us fans that if they ever go to play the game, are going to be like, who the fuck is this? Yeah. Because this is going to be their definitive Ellie. And that's interesting how that's going to work. Yeah. Yeah. All right, they see some bombing scars in the city as they walk, and they talk about them briefly. Uh, there's a fallen building in their path, so they decide to check another route from the top of a hotel, and Ellie earns Tess's respect by telling her how she got bit and asks a little bit about the infected in the city. It's like a fucked up moon, Aaron. This whole landscape. It's like a fucked up moon. It's a lunar landscape. Um, she's hanging out in the QZ, the, in a closed mall. I think it's, it's so like stranger things, right? The idea of teenagers hanging out in a mall, but then you put it in a post apocalypse and it's in a closed mall and it's got infected and they're out there fucking around and one of they get, they got bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's interesting. There's a lot of, uh, I actually think we're going to have a spore lore or cause I, there is a few things I wanted to talk about differences between the show and the video game that I wanted to talk through with you. Um, but yeah, I thought, uh, it's, it's another great scene. I, 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 you know, like I said, I, I like the idea that they bombed and you've got this ferocious military response. And even then it only worked in a handful of cities, you know, Mm -hmm. Boston's one of them where it allowed them to create a quarantine zone where remnants of the federal government are still enforcing public safety and rules and and rationing shit. Um, it feels Right. right. When you yeah. say worked, you mean it it held it the kept humanity from going long extinct. enough to mount some response. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, still not enough to keep us the dominant species on the planet, but no. Uh, there's some good stuff here too, uh, connecting Ellie and Tess with their kind of rule breaking attitudes and their 
basic sort of respect for each other's uh, badassery, I guess. Uh, I like that. Yeah. And they're, they're, they're setting stuff up, too, for later in the episode. You know, Ellie's asking about, like, oh, are there these type of uh, creatures that explode and release spores? And they're like, <laughs> that's stupid. And yeah. then she asks, are there some that, like, have split open heads and see like bats and mm-hmm. they say nothing right because <laughs> obviously we're going to encounter those later in the episode yeah and then just as she's you know puts that in the viewer's mind you hear this inhuman howl coming from deep in the city and yeah. like everyone kind of freezes and joel's like we better keep moving so like there was this kind of like yeah ellie's kind of oh you know this isn't this bit bad you hear all these things about swarms and infected and here we're walking around we're you know not 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 a care in the world this Another one of those like uh, uh, foreshadowing, um, tension building things that's put in your mind that like it's not as safe as it appears. Yeah, and this is where the tension really begins, right? That that yeah. cry you hear from the city is like, okay, mm-hmm. put your put your boots on because we're about to walk into some serious shit. Um, so mm-hmm. they reach the hotel where Ellie role plays a bit as a bellhop. And they climb up to the 10th floor, but their path is blocked. So Tess climbs through the rubble to unlock a door from the other side, leaving Joel and Ellie to face their awkwardness. Ellie asks too many questions about Joel before Tess rescues him by opening a door. Yeah. Um, Then this is where I think you see Tess and Joel both start to take a shine to to Ellie, especially Tess. You know, she likes the fact Mm -hmm. that she's inquisitive and reads books and knows a bit about the fall and you know she's being this kid until she gets a little like minor scare and again it's it's all building tension you know mm-hmm. this reminded me of the scene of jaws is like when um uh the, the the guy's diving underwater like looking at this wreckage and then a head just floats out of the hole in the boat it's just like oh my god you think you know they, this this is subtly saying that every time you think you're safe mm-hmm. you're not really um and i, I also touched oh go ahead i'm sorry as you say this is the closest thing I think to a jump scare in the entire episode. Yeah. Um, where the, you know, she accidentally like pushes or she pushes the, the luggage cart out of the way and a skeleton kind of drops out at her. Yeah. Uh, but it wasn't really that much of a jump scare and it turns out to be nothing. But to me, like the more tense part of this entire thing and why that sort of relieves some of the tension briefly is it's, I, I don't know, maybe this is me as a walking dead uh, viewer having seen way too many zombies come out of murky water like this, but I'm just thinking this is incredibly dangerous. Why are they walking into this waist deep water when they know there could be infected around? I, I don't think the infected work like that in this show. We talked about this. I think I get residual feelings. Yeah. Cause yeah. Cause especially if you're going in as blind, it's, it's like, we talked about this on the instant talk portion of our instant reaction podcast on Saturday, Sunday night. It's my understanding that like, these are not zombies in the sense that they are, they're reanimated dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are still living now when they're in their dormant phase, the mushroom might have their metabolism turned way down low so they could go days and weeks without moving or eating or doing anything. Um, but like they 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 can't like live underwater for a day, they mm-hmm. they would die. Uh, right. And if they die, then the fungus can't do anything with them. It's not like it could just take over their dead brain. Um, although I saw a lot of people, I think, get the wrong impression from some of the tendril stuff that it does resurrect people. Oh, in the uh, 
flashback scene at the beginning yeah no i'm talking about in the like when you see the tendrils touch the dead body or like it seems like a dead body kind of activates and then another tendril touches a what looks like a dead body but i think those are not dead they're dormant gotcha. they're essentially like in a deep medical coma until the 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 tendrils wake them up i could be wrong because again the the fungal science is kind of like not super exact in the games and it's still got a lot of wiggle room here but uh i think it's cool and we, that, we all, when we when we get the skeleton dropping out nelly gets scared and then joel like extends his hand to help her up it, it's a super awkward moment between them because he gives his hand he pulls her up and then he just flinches he pulls away from her like he's allergic to i what is it, the intimacy or the infection that he thinks she might have is it both it could be both but he does a similar reaction to Tess when he finds out her she's infected uh-huh. um where he flinches away from her so i think he's yeah but a, specifically this young girl who reminds him so much of his daughter I, that might be it too that it's like a ghost you know yeah yeah but i also think he's got a i think he's <laughs> Like what what defines Joel is that he is a survivor and he might not even Mm -hmm. remember why he's surviving, but it's a habit and he keeps doing it. Right. Yeah. And I think you get some ingrained like like jerking away from people that might be infected. I I think they're hinting at that, that like that's that's why he's a survivor. Um, You know, like if you're not his kin or in his tribe, he could give two shits about pulling over the side of the road and helping you or what? Because he's going to make it home. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I want to talk about because um, this happens a lot in the game too, where they f- artificially come up with a reason, like a collapsed floor. You got to boost someone to this level, where one of the one of the point of view characters gets left behind, either by themselves or you divide a, a larger group into a smaller group so they can have intimate conversations. And I like mm-hmm. how they do that. And then sometimes it's just uh, for psychological value, like you're in a tense situation and you have this like comfort of Ellie being with you. Or one of the other kind of survivors you meet along the way is oh, there with you and you're talking and it's always like you got company, right? But then mm-hmm. suddenly they have to squeeze through a hole and you're worried about them and you're worried about yourself and you don't. It's I, I like that they're kind of doing those same mechanics and, and not in a way that feels like a gamey. Like when these levels collapse and cut them off, like that's that's just game development 101. You're hurting the player to where you want them to go. But it doesn't feel like that when you're watching. It's like, oh, a floor collapse, of course. You know, they're going to have to find a way around uh-huh. this. Um, but you get all the same benefits. You get this beautiful conversation where these really wary Joel and Ellie are trying to, like, explore. Like, where are you from? You know, how'd you know? The, and, like, they keep on, you know, because they don't trust each other. They keep on stopping it. Uh, but you have this really interesting conversation where Joel talks about killing fungal people in contrast to killing the guard in Boston and you can see him thinking about it. that conversations interrupted mm-hmm. by Tess, but like his wheel spinning about how do I feel about killing that guy? You know, yeah. there's so much of Joel is just shut down and he yeah. keeps it that way. And I, it's yeah, an unexamined and, life he's living. It seems like absolutely. In, yeah. yeah. To the point where he doesn't even know why he's living. Yeah. Uh, and I really love when Tess, you know, comes to unlock this door and they hear her and Joel starts to raise his gun and through the door, she can't see him. She's just like, Joel, put the gun down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she knows him so well, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to get it's... shot by your paranoid ass. Yeah, that stuff is just so good. Uh, anyway, from the rooftop bar, they see a mass of infected writhing around in the street, which is uh, supposed to be their route to the state house. They decide to go through a museum instead to try and reach it. Uh, that's a lot of infected. It's a and lot we'll of see infected. them later. But... 
I we talked about this in the instant take a little bit and questioned like, okay, what exactly is happening there? And you wondered if there was some kind of like photoreactive sort of mm-hmm. quality to the infected. And I think you're right because I, I watched that scene in more detail. And it is when when the clouds pass overhead and there's a gap in them and the sun shines through, as soon as it hits that mass, they start rolling over. And I think it's too... Mm-hmm. Shield, kind of, maybe the yeah, part cringe. Of, They're definitely cringing uh-huh. away from it. Yeah, yeah, and it happens progressively as the sun crosses the the mass. So it's yeah, so funny it. because, like, I feel like, and this is a very minor criticism of the episode, but I feel like they were trying to tell, like, look at these people moving like a sea of grass, and that means they're all connected. But to me, the obvious explanation was the photosensitivity. And when I was listening to the podcast, they mentioned they did several reshoots where like Neil and Craig, the two showrunners, are so familiar with this game that they're like, we don't have to establish that the clickers can't see, mm-hmm. you know, they'll suddenly Joel will be quiet and they'll be making that clicking thing and they have the whole head and people just understand. And one of the other executive producers was watching and was just like, I don't get it. Why? They don't have eyes, but like, why would I assume that they can't have the see at all? Or, you know, like, am I really looking at? And they're like, oh, we have to go back and insert. We had to do a reshoot where Pedro Pascal turns to Bella and says they can't see. They can only hear so that no one gets left behind. And I feel like maybe this is a case where they had a clear idea what they're trying to communicate. Because, like, if I'm looking at what I'm seeing, I'm not seeing people that are connected in a mushroom network. I'm seeing sun progressively pan over them. And as the sun hits them, they have a rolling reaction to that noxious stimulus. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's weird that they use this to make the point about them being connected in this, you know, uh, as, as Craig Mazin called it, the wood wide web, which is a real thing. You can Google it's, you know, cutting edge research from like the last decade or two where, you know, we're re- just now realizing the fungal colonies are connected a lot and can can exchange like chemical signals over vast distances in more sophisticated ways than we ever suspected before. You know, which makes them sometimes, uh, I, I, you know, they're finding out that the, these fungal colonies can be the largest organisms on Earth. Mm-hmm. You know, that like they could be the size of Connecticut and Rhode Island. And it's one single organism that is genetically identical and it's connected through this this underground network so it's really cool but it's like the visuals they showed for that uh did not match up with what i thought tess was explaining you know yeah i feel you I- i'm glad it's like it's did. like if, if if tess is explaining like why you can see thunder or hear see lightning before you hear thunder and they're showing a rainbow like, okay, <laughs> that's interesting information, but what the fuck does a rainbow have to do with it? it? It's a small criticism, but I wonder if it's one of those things where Craig and Neil knew what the fuck they were talking about, and it just... Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I'm glad that they did the reshoots for uh, Pedro explaining, uh, hey, they can't see, but they can hear, because Ellie needs to know, right? I mean, that's more important even than the audience sure. knowing. Like, she needs to know. It would not make much sense if she somehow instinctively knew that they couldn't see, right? I, I mean, I guess... yeah. She's and you love rumor. a good audience. You love a good audience surrogate where it doesn't, you know, it's like it's always stupid when you have a team of doctors briefing themselves on something that's like, well, for review for everyone, let's talk about immunology 101. But when you have like a reporter there or a military guy, it makes sense for them to like. So like Ellie, who's been shut into quarantine zone her entire life, uh, has very little real life experience with this, like these grizzled vets teaching it. It's, it's a natural. So like, yeah, use it to the hilt, you know? 
Yeah, that audience proxy comes in real handy sometimes. Yep. Uh, so we go to the Bostonian Museum where they go inside. Uh, the, the museum's covered inside and out with dried up fungus. And their goal is to get to the top floor where there's apparently a crossing. Uh, the ceiling caves in, blocking their exit, and they encounter several clickers only barely managing to survive. This is where I really started to notice the sets, not just mm. like the, the the you know CG visual effects of like skylines and stuff, but the the sets, the set dressings mm. are amazing. All yeah. this stuff, I think in large part, I, I mean, look at what they do for the marketing stuff, right? They're probably using a lot of the same techniques, uh, just dressing the sets. It looks incredible. It's very practical. Like where practical, they're mm-hmm. all practical and. Um... I like the fact that the clickers are just dudes in rubber suits. Sure. You know? And they mentioned on the podcast that, or no, maybe it was the the making of featurette that they hired people who were big fans of the game. That's like, you know what a clicker looks like and how they behave and mm-hmm. they nail it. Like, yeah, there's something really effective about that herky jerky, you know, idle animation they have and where they're randomly freaking out and you know, lashing out at this and that. It feels like, you know, ratatouille, with a neurological problem like you get that like this human being is being intermittently <laughs> uh-huh. steered by something that's just kind of like figuring things out as it goes it's yeah. uh it's it's and they great. Deal with it, sound like as oh, someone yeah. who has played the game they sound exactly like they do in the game yeah that's Which, like hearing a group of clickers in a dark room is a like with a good set of headphones or a good hi-fi system is a bone chilling mm-hmm. experience because they they do that 3d spatial sound really really well yeah and there's so much like the game, like them getting their flashlights out before they go in. Like it's very, it feels so much like the game without even trying. You find, and there's also effect of like, you know, you're an audience, you don't know how to feel about things. And you've seen how blase Joel and Tess have been about things so far. But when they find that man ripped up and, and Ellie's like, Jesus, what could have done this to a person? And you see like palpable terror coming from Tess. Where she still wants to try to talk mm-hmm. herself into this path, but she's like, well, what if it's this? What if it's this? But, like, she is freaking the fuck out because these are things that are not to be fucked with. Yeah, um, and then the and way then, that they bring down the volume, right? They're just like... Yeah, I don't hear anything. From, well, what would you hear? on, silence. Like, and as he's saying the word silence, his voice is getting quieter. It's... Yes. It, it's remarkably well done in those and, moments. And that's where and, the and tension... Even, Ellie, like when she's when she's whispering, is too loud for Joel. Yes. I'm like, man, she's whispering. What do you want? And then she takes it down a notch. There's there's like, I don't even know how you mic that up, right? Like, and how you keep like, I don't know, an intern back at the crafts table chewing a sandwich from coming across a mic when it's that hot. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. man, they they must have been in the booth for that. They they must have dubbed that. It's it's great. Um... I like how, and then the, the, the things really slow down and get spooky. The tension really builds when it's quiet because you can hear every squeak and rattle in this decaying building, the dry vines they step on, which is another great concept. Mm-hmm. Like, fungus are not immortal. They have to take on yeah. new int- nutrients. They have to grow. And if they're deprived of that for a long enough time, they not only go dormant, they just dry out, desiccate, and die. They have a life cycle. So it's not like, you know, things that get conquered by fungus are just going to be there forever and ever and ever. This shows that there is, you know, some hope that you could reclaim these areas. Um, but and my attention ratcheting up in this scene, it's off the charts at that point when they go silent. 
the way they use are, are we talking about the attack or we want to did you uh, we can or, yeah okay because like i what you mentioned the set design and this like museum set was especially effective because mm-hmm. there's all these glass cases and the clickers can't see but we can and the video game there's a there's a where joel can go into like listening mode where you hold a uh-huh. button and like the sound drops out and you can kind of see rough outlines of things moving through walls that you know allows you to to have a chance against the clickers really but mm-hmm. it's almost like duplicated in this because you have these solid walls that block the line of sight of sound, but you can see the clicker and a clicker can't see you. And it's just a great way to, again, ape that feel of being in the video game where it's like that thing is just on the side of the case and you're just moving around the corner before it gets to you. And even if you do everything right, sooner or later, you know it's the thing's going to scream and come at you. Mm-hmm. Uh <laughs> And they also they they also nailed how relatively tough these are. Like Joel yeah. dro- puts like six rounds into that thing's chest, and it barely slows it down. Uh, Tess throws a hatchet in its face, and it barely slows it down. Like uh, Joel has to eventually empty a fucking revolver into this thing's head before it stops moving. These, as the fungus takes over more and more of these victims' bodies, they it takes things away like sight and uh, fine motor control, but it greatly increases their endurance and their strength and their speed mm-hmm. uh yeah yeah i really love the detail it just tickles me that ellie gets bit in exactly the same spot that she got bit before it's, i yeah, don't know why funny. that's so funny to me but it is yeah yeah and they also the way that like you know they're not just like in an action movie where they're just like rock locking and loading like emptying full clips when they can uh they are it shows them taking careful shots you know because like they don't have unlimited ammo mm-hmm. and they're just bare they're just in boston they're not even that far away from their home base and they've expended a lot of their supplies it's right. uh yeah you just never feel like it's not like in predator not like predator ever but like you know in the early goings of predator it's like what could harm these guys you know mm-hmm. they're never like that they don't they're not properly equipped for this kind of action. So it's it's just, again, they really effectively build up all that tension. Uh, Tess goes away and is lost for a long time. Um, they kind of come in and save each other a few times. Uh, I just thought it worked really, really well. Um, yeah. And this, you know, if this is the second time through the episode, this is the start of the 5 to 15 minute timer. Um, mm. This must be when Tess gets bit. And I think they they hit that mark for me. Like it, it's just believable enough that this would be the high end of the fifteen minute timer. Plus, uh, I noticed from they when put it she on, gets bit to when she turns. It's not exactly on her neck. It's like on her yeah trapezius. Like it's kind of like starting from neck and shoulder. So it's like, well, could you get it's as like, close so, of a torso bite as you can get to being a neck bite? Yeah. So like, do you say. get thirty or forty? So I, I thought there's even some play yeah. between like face or neck torso this is a is it a torso net so yeah I, I thought that they did a really good job someone also noticed that there's exactly a minute elapses from when joel says they're about a minute away till when the infected get there kind of showing that like joel is really you know he's done this a lot he kind of mm-hmm. knows like uh how fast uh, this is his first rodeo and 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 he's he's an old hand at this yeah and earlier in the episode they had uh set up that it was a 10 minute straight shot to the state house 10 minute walk um, right. So you and, can feel like you're really close to the state house. It's just these yes. damn buildings keep falling down in our way. Yes. yes. So once they get past that and then the bite happens, it's like, well, it might be a minute and a half walk to the state house. 
Yeah, especially since Tess is like fucking moving. She right, is right. That's like, the this other thing just, I love about she's this. She's not ambling. She, you know, when you're watching this again, you can clearly see the change of effect. Um, yes. Yeah. She's pulling really Ellie along. Well she's short with Je- uh, Joel. She doesn't have time with his for his bullshit because they uh, they also mentioned that like you know we saw this in the first episode that Tess is very good at managing Joel. Mm-hmm. Like in that er- that early debate they have about whether they you know why Ellie's off pissing in the girls' room, uh, they're having this debate about what to do. Like I, we should just go back versus no, she's this, and they make a compelling case that Tess is already a believer. She's crossed yeah. into the light, and Joel is not. And instead mm-hmm. of like with the convert, you know, with the zeal of a convert coming and be like, you know, you got it. she cajoles him and is like, look, this is the best. Okay, it's a, it's a fake. But the Fireflies believe it and getting her to the Fireflies is the best way for us to get the battery in the truck. And we want that. So even though she's bought onto the mission, she's telling Joel, well, you see all that shit drop once she's big because uh-huh. now she's on a timer. And she doesn't have time for his bullshit. And well, and she knows she him. hasn't convinced him. Right. He, right. He, he might just if she dies, he might turn around and just take her straight back. And right. then there goes the hope for humanity. There goes. Right. Honestly, her redemption, I mean, she makes kind of that point near the end of this. Yeah. It's all, yeah, it's all really powerful stuff. And it's so subtle. It's almost like you don't really realize it till your second watch. Uh, that, that change, that switch that flips. Yeah. I also like, you know, from a video game standpoint, seeing them like uh, makeshift bandaging wounds and things, like using electrical tape yeah, yeah. and duct tape to set like minor sprains. Like that's very video gamey too but it felt mm-hmm. it felt good a lot know? of bandages and and alcohol that you pick up yeah. in that game <laughs> it's all you, you don't need health care you just need duct tape mm-hmm. and isoprobic alcohol uh yeah so let's talk about that scene they exit to the roof of the museum where joel patches up tess's sprained ankle and they and then he appreciates the city view with ellie and tess mm. gets them moving again and they head to the state house um you know, Joel's Joel's thinking about Ellie, and he kind of glances at his watch again. Another fairly subtle thing, and, and I I love the way that Pedro plays that moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, actually, I love everything about this scene. I love Anna Torv's uh, intensity. I'm. It's so sad that we're losing Testis early because she that that actor is so good. Um, and I'm really starting to like appreciate what she's doing here. And boom, she's gone. Yeah, and I remember thinking that when playing the video game the first time that that was a real, uh, you know, like, oh, wow, like a Ned Stark moment. Like, damn, uh-huh. a, a loss early on is going to be one of those type of games, huh? Um, yeah, it's 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 really it's really effective. And I thought she did a great job of, like you said, being kind of fierce and, you know, trying to argue for, you know, her essentially putting faith in this Ellie thing. Um, and this is this is a story told in glances at wrists because Joel mm-hmm. looks at his own watch and he kind of like moves it a little bit. Um, and, and he's, you know, thinking about his daughter, he's thinking about, man, what, what am I going to do about this girl who I, I don't want anything to do with, but I kind of need to do something about it. And then later when they're walking, he's glancing at her wrist. Like, is she turning? Is, mm-hmm. is that infection getting worse? Am I going to have to deal with this? What's going on? Yeah, I really like that that symmetry there. Yeah, him like again, I think it's a powerful moment he flinches. She goes to and there's so much stuff that's like you they say and you kind of get 
you know, their special relationship. She has this one point. It's like, I've never asked you to do this, that, and the other. But she, one thing she's like, I've never asked you to feel the same things I felt. Making mm-hmm. it seem like maybe Tess would like to have maybe made things more official and settled down with Joel. And then he just, but no, nah, sure. he's, he's, he's not on to that level. And he's not capable of that kind of, yeah. uh, you know, emotional vulnerability. Uh, but she's like, I mm-hmm. am asking you to see this thing through. Like, we, you know, we've done, they, she talks to Ellie's like, you know, we're pretty shitty people. You know, we've done a lot of bad things to survive. Uh, I want my death to mean something, mean something more yeah, than, a turkey, is... than, than, a, than a chicken Parmesan sandwich. <laughs> uh, we're, we're kind of in the final sequence here, but that's one of the things that's so affecting about it is the way she begs him, please just just do this. I know you don't have hope yet, but mm-hmm. I do. Please, for me, for us, for the world, just do right. this thing, complete this mission because she knows she can't. that's the thing like when she's hustling people along to try and get to the firefly she's like well okay i don't trust that joel is actually going to do this and i have to get this girl there before i die Mm -hmm. because if i don't it might not happen and i have a limited time now and when she sees that hope is gone it's devastating when the fireflies are not there when they've been killed and now she has to just you know muster all of the trust and loyalty and whatever it is that she, yeah, her sure. and Joel have built up in the last 20 years to get this man to do this one thing that he really does not want to do. And, yeah. and, and that he does not want to do to his core. Right. I mean, it's not just about like, he doesn't believe that this girl is not the hope for humanity. He can't fizz. I, I think he can't emotionally stand being near her is a thing. Like when I said yeah. he was, he was allergic to her touch. It wasn't, it wasn't cause she's infected necessarily. It's also cause he is reminded every single time he looks at her of his daughter. It's and conversely, yeah, it's, if he it's starts a big ask. She does have a future. Then what if he loses her? And what if he's responsible for right? it again? There's that blame game. And so this yeah, is the thing he he's knows. tried to avoid feeling for 20 years, and now it's being thrown in his face. So so vividly, exactly. like she's just a yeah. open wound and, and constant trigger for him. Mm-hmm. Now, when we go to the ad, make every shot count. We'll be back with more of Savage Starlight. We're not the cure for mankind, but we have your favorite podcast. Here's more of Savage Starlight. Uh, yeah, so let's talk about the final sequence here. They reach the state house. Uh, they find the fire fi- fireflies are all dead. Tess reveals she's been bit, and she uses her last moments of humanity to convince Joel to get Ellie to Bill and Frank. Uh, Joel kills an infected, which wakes the horde who comes running after them. Tess spills the gas and the grenades and sacrifices herself to take out the horde as Ellie and Joel escape out the back. What 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 should we say? I, I thought uh, if I was going to criticize Tess a bit, she's a little spindy with grenades. I think she should have <laughs> given half those yeah. grenades to Joel. Uh, At least hold one. Hold on to yeah. one in case your yeah. lighter doesn't light or something. Yeah, and then 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 no matter what happens, that thing's going off. But yeah, you got that mm-hmm. shitty lighter, and I, I don't know that the, it was the the when I watched it the second time, I didn't think it was the lighter. She was like failing to light the lighter because the lighter was shit, or that she was mm-hmm. incompetent. I think yeah, I, I think you're right on. You're supposed to understand that the fungus is already starting to take her over. She's losing that fine motor control, at least her conscious control over it. And simultaneously, mm-hmm. you know, the 
the mushroom is is doing the freeze all motor functions routine on her. Um, yeah. The same way we talk about the like those toxoplasmoids that uh, they can make mice, you know, uh, attracted towards things that are usually repel them. Uh, she's kind of frozen. And I, I was thinking like, you know, when they talk about how mushrooms can control you through hallucinations and stuff, it's like, what does it look to be inside Tess mm-hmm. when this thing's coming towards you? Does she see this as this hit? If I, it seems like at some level she does. But is it like if you're on a mushroom trip and it's like, oh, my God. My nightstand is made out of laser beams. No, it's just wood. Oh, my God, it is made out of laser beams. Got to kind of like, I wonder if it's like that or like just what is the physical experience? Because it does like the tear rolling down her closed eyes and the tears. It seems like at some level she's aware of just how deeply fucked this is. Uh huh. But I don't think she stood there because it was part of her self-sacrifice. I I think and, and the podcast heavily implies that gotcha. the fungus is able to recognize that she's already infected to the extent that she can't really resist and it leans in, into that. Um, yeah. And again, like they said, that the fungus wants to connect with that. The fungus wants to spread. The fungus, it doesn't want to rip people apart if it doesn't need to because that's its biomass. Mm-hmm. That's the both its uh, vector to spread and also its, its food and its substrate. Um, all that stuff was really fascinating and it's just extremely gross. Just fucking oh, yeah. gross. Horrifying and gross. Um, yeah what yeah i man she does such a good job in that scene too just like expressing the horror without being able to like physically react to it and yeah it's terrible it's really terrible and i love it it is it is and also the other hallmark of uh, i think that works really well this post-apocalypse is you know you've got the massachusetts state building uh you know america's not an old country you know, you, you go over to Europe and it's easy to find a pub that's 800 years old or God, you're in Rome and the Colosseum's 2000 plus and, you know, go to Giza and there's stuff that's 5000 years old. But America, it's like it's hard to find stuff that's more than a couple hundred years old. Well, this is one of them. This is one of the cradles of democracy. This is one of the oldest state houses. It's one of the hmm. best regarded in terms of its architecture. It's got this distinctive gold gilded 24 karat dome that still, you know, gold doesn't rust. It's still shining bright as it's and they blow it up just to let two people like all this history and and beauty and and still standing strong and they <laughs> blow it up to save two. It's just so unsentimental is what is what it is. I guess the question you got to ask is what would you rather have your past or your future? Right. And that is, that is what she chooses the future. Right. Whereas Joel is very much stuck in the past. So it makes a lot of sense for her to be the ones to destroy this monument. Yeah. It just, yeah. It's just like, yeah, when you, you blow a building of this historical significance and there's just something again, so completely utterly unsentimental about it. It's very, that's just, that's very the last of us, I think. It really makes it stand out. You know how like in um, video games, a lot of the times people won't allow certain companies won't allow you to do like damage models to cars because they don't want to show their Mercedes Benz all fucked up or whatever. Right. They're like, oh, we don't want to give that that image. Boston here. This is not a great look for Boston. (laughs) And they they Uh took it in stride. No problem. Yeah. So Mercedes maybe like learn a thing or two. Like Joel tanks the loss of his pseudo lover. Like he just tanks this round emotionally. He just stomps <laughs> off at this impassive face. And you see Ellie mm-hmm. 
she needs a minute. Like she was just warming up the test, but she had warmed up the test in a way she hasn't warmed up to Joel. And now she's stuck with this. Like that scene where he grabs her and just like essentially bodily carries him out. She's like, doesn't want to leave Tess behind and you bastard and this. And uh, that's such a great shot. And the music that that mournful yeah. music and and the contrast between how beautiful the setting the golden hour is on Ellie and the how vividly green and the vivid oranges and stuff of the fungal is how beautiful everything looks just like the opening scene in contrast to the violence that's just happened emotionally physically all those things just god i fucking love and that's that's very true to the game too it there is, is you will see some of the most beautiful things you've ever seen and then the next minute you will be in terror um, it's yeah, it's yeah. they're 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 man, they're crushing it, they're killing it. I wonder if Ellie is reluctant to leave Tess because she herself is immune, and she wonders. Yeah. Look, I was immune. I I saw this miracle happen. Why couldn't it happen to Tess? Let's stay around. Let's not sacrifice herself needlessly. She might be immune too. We don't know. It, it's something I think a, a lot of people are thinking after last week's episode where. Fedra's official policy is everyone that's infected gets shot on sight uh-huh. or, you know, put to sleep. When like, a kid how gets many, put down immediately, yeah. How many Ellie's have we burnt in an, in in a parking lot mm-hmm. when, you know, because it's been 20 years. Is Ellie literally the first or is it just a first one that hasn't gotten the official policy applied to? It's, uh, it's right. food for thought. Um, and I, I think that it's, you got to be thinking about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's it for the episode. Yeah, there's, I really uh, enjoyed this one. I want to. There's a couple things in the behind the episode I want to talk about, um, like the fact that uh, I think Neil said this in the podcast, but they work so hard to get the clickers right. Mm-hmm. And Mason's got that great quote. It's like our our goal was if you played the game, you're like, oh yeah, that's right. And if you hadn't played the game, you're just like, oh my fucking god. Um, mm-hmm. but they just yeah, like that's the, the post credits the, thing. The, the looking, the feel, the sounds, everything nailed it. They're not CGI. They're actual performances. And a big part of that is Barry Gower. You know, remember we talked about how, like, you see Chernobyl and there's some scenes like the melting firemen and the, the decay of the, the, the post-fall Chernobyl. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, this team can do fucking The Last of Us. Well, this is the guy who did all those prosthetics did all the yeah. set, the design and decoration, and it's just getting the team back together and applying it to what feels like a uh, a vertical market. Uh, <laughs> it's 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 just great. Um, and yeah, they talk, I, I was talking about how to say it. I've been saying it mycelium this whole time, but apparently it's mycelium. That's the tendril like yeah. thing that grow. You know that that cobwebby like stuff that you saw in her lady's skin and these tendrils. That's the name of the the fungal matter that uh, they use to, to, to spread uh, their fruiting bodies. So I thought that was really cool stuff. And then there, there's some stuff we want to talk in a spore lore section. I want to just wrap with Jim about some video game stuff. Um, so this is kind of where you want to bounce out. If you're not, if you're not keen to know some differences between the show and a video game and some possible spoilers for the future, TLU T L O U at baldmove.com is how you want to uh, send us feedback if you haven't already and you're a fan of what we're doing here at Savage Starlight, please uh, find our feed on your favorite podcast app. Give us a couple stars, a thumbs up, uh, a review, whatever the interface calls for. That is a big reason that we're able to, uh, you know, grow like the fungus that we aspire to be. Uh, you follow are us- our mycelium. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. You are, you're, you are our. Uh, what do they call it? Um, what, what? So you are substrate. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, also, you can follow us on Twitter, Twitter.com/slash/baldmove. If you want to stay uh, up with the latest and greatest releases, we got lots of podcasts going on. We're about to hit another busy season. We're gonna have so much, so much stuff coming out this late winter and spring. You won't, you know, Yellow Jackets, uh, Picard season uh, three. What's the big one I'm forgetting? Mandalorian. Mando fucking Lorian. Another another lone wolf cub story. Uh, so follow us on twitter.com slash baldmove. We will be back Thursday to consider the TLU at baldmove.com feedback. But now it's time for the spore lore. We'll see you on uh we'll see you on Thursday. So Jim, it's been a while since I played the game, but I noticed some inconsistencies in in Ellie's story. Um, and mm. also notice some kind of like fun little Easter eggs. Uh, number one, she said that she was alone when she got bit. Unless they're changing the story, she is lying. She's lying. You can see it She's on her totally face. Lying. She's lying. I thought so too. Yeah. Uh, and you can and see it I, on her face when she uh, answers about a boyfriend as well. <laughs> the That was hilarious uh-huh. when she's like, do you have a boyfriend? <laughs> no. Um, and then she kind of like sheepishly looks around, looks at Tess maybe a little. Yeah. Hmm. Fans of the game will know that uh, Ellie will eventually uh, uh, manifest as a young lesbian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I never sign an older male uh, and, uh-huh. and weird than when I say she manifests <laughs> as a young. She transforms. She, she Pokemon evolves. She comes, they fed her the out. lesbo candy and she went that way. No, uh, <laughs> that's, 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 that's how they see. I just I find a way to make it hmm. worse until pe- I'm so pathetic that? that people can't hate me. That's my whole strategy. It's like, look at this fucking old man with his fungus-ridden brain, herky-jerky on this podcast. Jesus. It's amazing he can say two words together. Uh, the other intriguing uh, video game thing that is, it's probably got to be Easter egg, establishing Ellie can't swim. Because yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, some of the dumbest parts of The Last of Us are where you are ferrying her on a pallet across different uh-huh. bodies of water in some it kind happens. of perverse... Farmer so with with a bag of corn and a fox and a chicken, and you got to get them across the bank without them getting ripped apart by fungal monsters. Are, yeah. are they going to get her on a pallet and have Pedro swim her around, or is that just for us? I hope so Easter as a game player because it happens yeah. like every forty minutes in the game. But yeah, yeah, it, it probably not. That would be so ridiculous, right? Yeah, I I think it's because like the other thing is like I always like there's no fucking way this pallet's going to float her. Right. This is this is less believable than Rose and her goddamn headboard or whatever. Like it's just it's not sure. gonna. There's not that much buoyancy there. Um, the other big change. What did you think? Because like in the game, it's Fedra persecuting uh-huh. the group for getting out of the QZ and killing that guy, and they're like they're like wanted. They're on the run from the official authorities. Here they changed, slowed things down. So as soon as they got out of Boston, the QZ zone, they were pretty much scot free, and it was all about the clickers. Any speculation why they changed that, or what you think of it? Oh, I don't know why they changed it, but I like it. I I think with the change they've made to the fungus and the way it spreads, uh, it was good payoff for for that stuff. Um, Yeah, and it was pretty inconsequential that Fedra was even after them in the game, like this might be the last time that Fedra is a major going concern, like. They they encounter them occasionally through the game, but it never feels like they're being hunted by the authorities, right? right? 
yeah, just like, like oh the authorities happened to show up here because they heard about a firefly meeting i guess right, right this right, feels right. a lot more natural to me yeah and i think in the game as part of balances you kind of keep the player you have to rotate the different types of enemies and mm-hmm. or it gets every like you can't just you go through six hours of fighting clickers you got to right. have you know the um uh there's what what do they call the the raiders you have the got to have the raiders you got to have the military, military groups you got to have the 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 runners versus the clickers versus the bloaters versus the shamblers mm-hmm. versus like you have to throw it in, in in a tv show it's not as important so part of it is just like you don't want to just be all clickers all the time so you throw in a fedra chase just to kind of spice things up sure you don't have to worry about this here so just you know you haven't seen the clickers people want to see the clickers uh the other thing yeah the, and, and so like give give them the fucking clickers so mm-hmm. yeah i did any other big changes from video game to show that you noticed uh not big ones there's a lot of minor ones with like make uh sort of mashups of like different lines and stuff but can i ask you why they've made ellie lie about not being alone it seems like um, I think it's a sore spot emotionally for her too. Uh, I think mm. her and Riley were pretty good friends. I wonder and if it's going to be it's a lot like Joel. You know, he doesn't want to talk about his daughter. She doesn't want to talk right. about her best friend. Dying. Pass, pass. Yeah, I wonder if it's going to be an emotional litmus test when you know because I I feel like that they'll probably have a flashback where they show this happen the way this mm-hmm. series is going. And then we'll know the audience that she's lied and she's keeping this thing from Joel. And like when she finally opens up, is that going to be like, you know, a big pivotal moment where we know she's kept something in reserve and she's sharing and maybe Joel shares with her and it's a it's a corner that they turn. I think so. That yeah. feels right. OK, well, I, I, like I said, not a huge amount of spore lore to talk about today, but uh, I'm sure there'll be more in the feedback and just for the grizzled video well, game the, vets. The, there's there's one other thing oh. that you mentioned in the instant take that I didn't catch, and this time around I did. I saw it. It's that stuffed giraffe. Oh, shit. I completely forgot about that yeah. this time around. Yeah, okay, good. It's, it saved it to the spore lore. Yeah, that's got to be... Some foreshadowing slash Chekhov's drafting slash. It is. I, I know, know they've cast those characters already. So, like, or well, okay. So there are two things I think this foreshadows. I think it foreshadows. <laughs> they yeah, cast, cast the, the giraffes. giraffes. Okay. No, I think this foreshadows like that beautiful scene where they observe the giraffes. But I think it also yeah, foreshadows a little bit. Standout scenes. It's, it's, uh, one one of the standout scenes of the game. I think it foreshadows the Henry and Sam stuff too a little bit. Right? Am I? Hmm. Am I crazy and thinking maybe I'm just looking for that foreshadowing? And so like um, just in any the case kind of, of like, toy. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Would do it. I wonder how they'll pull that off too, because that's an that was an interesting scene in the game where it's like you're from Joel's perspective, and if you're paying attention, you see that that Ellie pulls uh a little a little uh fast one. You can do um, it like they did with the, the old lady in the first episode, right? Where it's just kind of happening in the background. Cause you notice yeah. in the game you can definitely see it happen. If you're As looking it, in the right direction and yeah, right, yeah, right. yeah. Because yeah. I was, hey, I was like, okay, I know she picks this fucking thing up. I'm going to watch her like a hawk. Yeah, it could be like the, 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 like they did with the glass onion, Ed Norton with the glass. Uh-huh. It's like, unless mm-hmm. you know that it'll be looking, you're you're like this this misdirection. So it's, it all tracks. But yeah, that'd be a great way to handle it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be watching. If I see them in a toy store. Yeah. Ellie, I'm watching you. 
high alert for some five fingered. We got the the five palm monkey looting technique <laughs> and the five fingered Ellie discount uh, uh-huh. in a world with no money. That's it. That's it for the spore lore episode. T Lou at baldmove.com. Uh, if you'd like to talk some more in depth uh, grizzled video game veteran stuff, we'll be back Thursday to consider that feedback. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.